I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey, everybody. It's Don LaGreca with the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Hopefully, everybody had a tremendous week. There's been a lot of snow in the area. Everything that's going on in Arlington, Texas, with all the games being canceled for the Stars and thoughts and prayers go out to all the people out there. Power outages, don't have heat on. It's just been a really, really difficult couple of years here, and it's certainly been a very difficult winter for a lot of people, not to mention the fact that the pandemic is still raging. We saw that last night in Philadelphia with seven players still on COVID protocol for the Flyers, and they're heading to Lake Tahoe uh, after their shootout loss uh, to the Rangers. So certainly a lot of things have been compromised. Later on in this podcast, we'll give our our first top five of the year because I think we're deep enough at the quarter pole here for some teams, for most teams, um, and we can really kind of sink our teeth into what's happening so far this year. But let's start with the Ranger win. Uh, we talked a lot of the podcast on Wednesday that this was a big moment for David Quinn, all right? I don't get caught up in the whole he's to blame because the team didn't show up against the Devils and all that. I look at it as, all right, it's a reflection on him for sure. But how does the team respond? And they did. And, and I get it. No Giroux, no Voracek, no Konecki. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting players for the Philadelphia Flyers that didn't play. All right? Philadelphia hadn't played since March 7th, but it didn't matter against New Jersey, right? And I thought the Rangers had a snarl. They played well. Uh, Rooney continues to be a real godsend for this team, getting to the net, which is something this Ranger team doesn't do. The stat that jumps out to me about the Rangers, they're second in the league in shots on goal per game. They're 27th of the league in goals per game. And David Quinn said before the contest against Philadelphia that really the only reason for that is they're not getting bodies in front of the net. And they're just too trying to uh, be too styling, I guess, just trying to get that gorgeous on-the-rush goal. And I, I do a lot of play-by-play, and I can't tell you how many times I score. You know, a goal is scored, and you got to wait for the scoring to find out who did it go off of. Was it deflected? Did it bounce off of uh, the other team? Uh, you look at the first goal last night for Philadelphia, and you know Kevin Hayes is there, uh, but then it's you know it's batted in uh, on a rebound, in really close proximity by Obey Kubel. And you got to wait for the confirmation in the replay. Was it Hayes that scored? Was it Cabell who scored? I mean, that's just the way it is in the National Hockey League now. And that's what the good teams do. And the Rangers are trying to find a way to do that. But they did respond to David Quinn. After the loss against the Devils, when he was asked about the team not being spirited, not being engaged, uh, he said, you know, we're going to talk about it before practice on Friday, uh, on, on Thursday. I guess, excuse me, on Wednesday, we're going to talk about during practice, we're going to talk about after practice, we're going to talk about it again, uh, going into the game against Philadelphia, and the team did respond. Now, they gave up a goal late, but they did get the two points, and we'll see what they can do against Washington coming up tomorrow. Philadelphia, again, you saw a lot of kids playing, which this could turn out to be pretty good from trying to find out what you have depth-wise. Kasha played his first game of the season. Andreoff played his first game of the season. Um, Shushko played, uh, made his National Hockey League debut last night for Philadelphia, and they were able to get a point uh, at home, and, and they've, they have not lost in regulation in seven games in Philadelphia. So the Flyers are still uh, in very good shape i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I, I took a little bit of a beating yesterday from Devil fans, and I should have listened to my producer, Anthony Pusick, who said, go with the Capitals at minus a goal and a half against Buffalo, but the last time those teams two played, it went into the shootout, and I was just looking, I'm not being disrespectful to New Jersey, that I bet Boston to cover the goal and a half, because and I know New Jersey's played Boston well all year. As a matter of fact, they probably played Boston better than anybody else in the league, but that second game back off the long layoff, Boston home, um, I, I, I just thought that Boston was going to put it together, but give the Devils credit, and give Lindy Ruff a lot of credit, too. This is still a team that's a bit of a work in progress, for sure. Uh, and they didn't get anything out of Palmieri so far this year until uh, the two-goal performance yesterday. But watching them play live on Tuesday, seeing the way they play against the Boston Bruins, they're in every game, and certainly the goaltending has a lot to do with that. And I think that's a, that's a major play for this team. Because when you went into the season, I mean, you could be the biggest Devil fan there is. You had to wonder, what are you going to get at a goal because it's really been a mess since Brodor left right Corey Schneider hasn't worked out Blackwood is becoming a legit goalie all right he finished sixth in the Calder last year now he's playing tremendous 21 um he he faced uh how many shots did he face last night 27 shots made 25 saves he has been a difference maker so that changes everything right you go into the season you got a bunch of kids you got a new coach you got a new system they're clearly kind of rebuilding with all the draft picks they've had over recent years and you don't have any kind of goaltending that you can really rely upon in one of the toughest, if not the toughest, divisions in the NHL with this realignment, what are they going to do this year? And then they get hit with COVID, and they don't play for two and a half weeks. Well, what you get now is you're getting the quality goaltending. Hughes has been much better, right? And the kids are contributing. Uh, Brat's back. Uh, So now you get to kind of see what this organization was looking to do. And I don't know if it's going to be enough. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs because you've got so many good teams. You know Boston's going, right? Even though the Islanders lost nights that to Pittsburgh, I think the Islanders are going. Caps are going. I think the Flyers are going. Some so good teams are going to be on the outside. What about Pittsburgh? You know Pittsburgh, I, I, I don't think it's their year, but they don't seem to want to go away, right? I mean, the only thing you feel pretty sure about is that Buffalo's not going to make it, right? And right now, I don't think I think the Rangers have probably dug themselves too big of a hole. But there's going to be some pretty good teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. But right now, Devil fans can feel pretty good about the direction of this team. As I mentioned, Pittsburgh with the 4-1 win over the New York Islanders. So the Islanders had points in eight consecutive games, 5-0-3 in that span. That gets snapped as Sidney Crosby now has the night, picks up his sixth goal of the season as Sid the Kid just continues uh, to, uh, this torrid pursuit of his career, probably feeling like, all right, everybody's talking about Connor McDavid getting his 500th point, you know, but let's not forget about me and where I stand right now. And he's just been just unbelievable this year with 13 points in 15 games. You know, he's not up there with um, with the big guns anymore, with the McDavid's, 
who and, and what's happening with Toronto is just uh, un- unbelievable right now. I mean, I just feel bad for the Ottawa Senators, right? I mean, they go out there, play at the tough, hard-fought game the night before, lose by a goal to Toronto, and you kind of just knew. And that's why I didn't pick them for the ice pick, because I think everybody knew, and you didn't get value on the bet, that Toronto was going to probably put up a touchdown, and that's what they did with a 7-3 to win over the Ottawa Senators. 16 goals now for Austin Matthews, just unbelievable. Give Columbus a lot of credit, too. And, and, and I know I come across on this podcast as a John Tortorella apologist, but you know what? He's done a terrific job there with the Blue Jackets. He has. And they shut out the Predators 3-2. It's over for Nashville now. They had their run. Uh, clearly, they're going to be rebuilding now. That's not a great team. Now, they did have a little bit of a layoff because they had all those games canceled in Dallas. But the Blue Jackets blank uh, the Predators. Merzlikens gets the the shutout. That's a team that's starting to get some really good goaltending after moving on for Bobrovsky. And Bobrovsky hasn't been great in Florida. We'll get to them in just a second. But that's a good 32-save performance for Columbus. And, you know, everybody gets on John Tortorella, right? They make the big trade. They bring in Patrick Line. Line gets benched. And everybody flips out on Torts, saying typical Torts, can't handle the stars, benches Line. Cam Atkinson comes out and says, you know what, Line should have been benched. Line comes out and says, you know what, I should have been benched. And, and Tortorella ended up looking great. He's going to do what he does. He rubs people the wrong way for sure. His shelf life with certain teams isn't as long as maybe it could be for that reason. But he's able to get as much out of his team as humanly possible. Domi gets his third of the year. Um, Cam Atkinson played well. Uh, good win for the Columbus Blue Jackets. We talked about it with EJ Raddick on Wednesday. Buffalo's in a lot of trouble. They get one goal. They lose 3-1 to the Washington Capitals last night. Uh, they've scored one goal since coming back from COVID, right? Got shut out back-to-back games by the Islanders. And you could say, well, that's the Islanders. They stifle you. Uh, but Washington is going to make anybody think about the 95 Devils. So they got shut out again, just 23 shots on goal. Uh, you feel really bad for Kruger. You feel bad for all those unrestricted free agents that are going to get moved at some point. But uh, they went for it this year, Buffalo. They bring in Stahl. They bring in Hall, hoping that that's going to kind of rejigger Skinner's career. You feel bad for Eichel. Eichel's right now on the level that Tavares was in the early days before Lou with the Islanders, a great player on a bad team. And then eventually the Islanders got their act together and Tavares got a chance to play in the playoffs a little bit. Um, you just wonder if Eichel's long for Buffalo. And it just what a shame that would be. You know, because even though Buffalo's a small market, it's a tremendous hockey town. I mean, they're right there with the Bills and popularity in Buffalo. And it's been so long since this team has been legit. you got to go back to 06 when they lost that conference final to Carolina. The last time this team has been a legit cup contender. It is a tremendous hockey city. That would be great for American hockey if that team was good again, and they just cannot gain any traction. Blues finally win at home, ending a three-game losing streak at home. They win in overtime over the San Jose Sharks by the final score of 3-2. to two. So good job by St. Louis as Perron gets the winning goal in overtime for St. Louis, and they get 45 shots on goal. Coyotes come back from 2 nothing down the force of the shootout, but the Kings win 3-2. Wild with a win over the Ducks, 3-1, holding the Ducks to just 17 shots on goal and Tampa and Dallas postponed because of what's happening there with the situation in Arlington, just trying to get power back. It just It's really a shame what's going on there, and then hopefully they'll be able uh, to get uh, back to playing hockey. So not only do you have the whole COVID situation with stinks, but then on top of that, you've got to go with um, – with this whole thing and it just it just really stinks and hopefully they'll be able to get uh things going well i promised you 
Every Friday we do the top five. We have not done it since the new season has started because it was just like kind of all convoluted trying to get podcasts on Friday, trying to get a chance to take a look at these teams. And I finally have it. Anthony, hit it. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. Yeah! I really, really, and a full disclosure, part of the reason that I procrastinated on this is because how difficult it is to do this top five because there's just so many teams and so many great candidates, right? Because you look at the top of the standings and it's easy to just look at who's the top five teams in the league and just pick those. But that's unfair because you've got Chicago that's fifth in the NHL, but they've played 18 games. They played four more games than Tampa, four more games than Vegas, four more games than Carolina, three more games than Boston, four more games than Florida. I mean, it's crazy. So you know, they've done a great job getting to the top five, but have they taken advantage of getting 22 points off of 18 games? So I sift through it. I took a look at it. And where do we always start? We start with number five. Number five. You know, it's time to start giving this team some credit. They went out and made some major acquisitions at the end of last year, bringing in Hornquist this year. I, I like what the Florida Panthers are doing right now, and I've got them at number five. They're second in the league, so you can make the case that maybe they should be even higher Uh, They have not lost in regulation on the road. They are a plus five in goal differential. Bobrovsky hasn't played great. They've been a little inconsistent here and there. Um, I think they probably lose some points because of the division that they're in, but I've got the Florida Panthers cracking the top five at five. Number four. You you know, Tampa is going to be much higher as we get deeper into the season. But they play just the 14 games. And again, they get hurt a little bit by the division that they play in. 7-2-1 and one over their last 10. The thing that's most impressive about Tampa, and again, I think they are fundamentally the best team in the league. They might have gotten off to a bit of a, a slower start, but they're going to be a machine, especially in this division. Plus 22 goal differentials, the best in the National Hockey League. So maybe some points taken away for their division, but I have them at number four. Number three. Despite the fact that they've lost a couple of games in a row, this is still one of the best teams in the NHL. Plus 11 goal differential, good on the road, good at home, fantastic in the shootout. I've got the Boston Bruins. Now, the Devils just seem to have their number. They play a lot of you know one-goal games, but now the Pasternak is back joining what might be the best line in hockey with Bergeron. And Marshan, they're getting tremendous goaltending from Tuka Rask. They've, I think, played well on the blue line despite the exit of Zdeno Chara. McAvoy is becoming an absolute stud. I've got the Boston Bruins at three. Number two. I struggled this one as well because they've played a lot of games at home, but I've just been impressed top to bottom all year long with the Vegas Golden Knights, so I have them at two. Again, goaltending's great, rolling four lines, They've just been a terrific hockey team. Stone's been good for them. And I think the things that's impressive for Vegas is that everybody, myself included, and maybe it'll end up being the case by the time we get done, that everybody looked at Colorado as the team to beat in the West. And yet here is Vegas, 14 games into the season, the quarter pole, and they, to me, I think are the best team in the Western Conference. Now, Chicago's ahead because they played four more games. St. Louis is ahead because they played three more games. But I think they're the best of the West that I have Vegas at number two. Number one. Yeah! 
I don't know how sustainable it's going to be in the postseason, but right now the team to watch in the National Hockey League night in and night out are the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I know they beat up on the Ottawa Senators, but everybody in that division is going to get a chance to do that, all right? But they've had to play Montreal, and they beat Montreal a couple of times already, right? You know, you got to go out west. All the travel that these teams in the Canadian division have to go through up north. This is one of the best offensive teams we've seen in a long time. 8-2-1 and one at home, 5-1-1 and one on the road, so it doesn't matter where you play. Matthews has been great. Marner has been great. Really, the goaltending has been solid, but it doesn't have to be because they can just sheer outscore everybody. That's what scares me once you get into the playoffs because you're not scoring seven goals routinely in the postseason. So they're going to have to, I think, learn to play a little bit shut down, but they can. They can, and sometimes the best defense is is controlling the puck and having the puck in the offensive zone. Now, they played 18 games, but they've got 28 points. That's still six more than second-place Florida in the conference, and the plus-19 goal differential is the second-best in the National Hockey League. So I've got Toronto rounding out the top five. Love to be able to get your feedback, and you can do that, of course, as it's always done here at at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Okay, let's take a look at what you're saying. Uh, uh, Tony Terrific says, top five MVP list as of right now, in your opinion? Well, you've got to go with Matthews and what he's doing. I think think, uh, McDavid has to be considered as well. Again, the team is not playing great, but where would they be without him? Uh, just off the top of my head, I think he has to get uh, some uh, uh, amazing consideration. Those are the two that I would have to um, put uh, on the top of my list. Uh, just perusing around again, just trying to see who would be players that I would have as my top five. Like I said, McDavid would certainly be up there. You would have to have um, Matthews be up there, leads the league in goal scoring. Again, uh, Edmonton is it's not maybe we'll see if they could even make the playoffs but clearly that's somebody that has to get consideration now I don't know how sustainable it is but where would the San Jose Sharks be without Joe Pavelski now he slowed down just a little bit but seven power play goals he has been absolutely terrific so I think he would have to get some major consideration as well um I think uh Lankanen, if I'm saying his name correctly, the goaltender for the Chicago Blackhawks would have to get consideration. Where would they be without his play? So just off the top of my head, those are some of the candidates for sure. Also, what would you think the NHL will do if the Lake Tahoe game is a success ratings-wise every year thing or just a one-off? I just like the creativity of the outdoor game. This does have a little bit of a feel to me where it's kind of forced like the NBA All-Star game. It's like you got so many so many COVID situations of the NHL. Do you really need these teams? It's one thing for Vegas and Colorado. They're kind of close to Lake Tahoe, but have the Bruins and the Flyers, especially since the Flyers, some of their best players are not going to play in the game tomorrow on Sunday. Uh, but listen, it, there's some cachet to the fringe hockey fan about these outdoor games. So I think I like the creativity. They started with the old ballparks, the famous stadiums. You know, now kind of branch out to different areas. I like it. Um, I don't know if Lake Tahoe will continue, but I like the imagination of what they're doing. Jonathan says, "Should we be worried about the Rangers now making the playoffs? Uh, now making the playoffs this year? I don't know if you mean not making the playoffs. I, I don't think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs again. All these divisional games, exclusively playing in the division, so many three-point games. It's going to be tough." to really make a move in the National Hockey League um, when you you have 40 games left, some odd there, and you, and you look at where the Rangers are right now, it doesn't seem like they're that far back, 
but they right now are six points out of a playoff spot with the same amount of games played as the Islanders. To make up six points when you're not winning consistently, when all of these teams are playing three-point games, right? How many games going to overtime, the shootout, where you're only gaining like one point when you're hot? They would have to go on a real big run for them to be able to make up ground. And so I bet right now that's not going to happen. Richard said, hey, Don, great to have the top five back. Eichel trade rumors gaining steam. Which current Ranger prospect would you consider untouchable? Hmm, untouchable. When you talk about the – I don't – I mean, you're obviously not going to be talking. Kraftsoff is obviously somebody um, that you're that you're talking about that's a prospect. Um, I don't know if you consider Lafaniere a prospect. He's playing with the team right now. Or any, any of the young plays, Kako. Um I don't think the Rangers are going to be in the running for Eichel because um, I just don't know if they're ready yet. Now, they, they, they he's exactly what they need, but you're going to have to give up a lot, a lot. And I don't – but when you talk about untouchable, when you can get a player that special, I don't know if really anybody's untouchable. Now, obviously, Lafaniere and Kako, Fox, like a lot of the young players, they're not touching any of them. You've already seemed like you're set in goal, right? So I don't know if you say anybody, honestly, is somebody that I would say is completely untouchable. Uh, Joe says, back in the day, the Rangers played a lackluster who cares game against the Ducks. Keenan broke a stick and nearly killed them in practice, but then they took off. That was a different team and a different time. But man, last night reminded me of that game. He's talking about the game against the New Jersey Devils, Joe is. I I just don't think players respond to that kind of stuff anymore. I mean, look what's going on with Babcock, and you're hearing a lot of uh, former players under Babcock that have really been outspoken about the tough love that, for lack of a, a better phrase, maybe it's not even an appropriate phrase, that he showed to his players. Um, I just A, I don't know if players respond to that anymore, and B, I just don't know if that's kind of tolerated in sports today. I, I don't, especially when you're a David Quinn that doesn't have a bunch of rings jingling and jangling. I mean, can, can Joel Quinville get away with that? Could, could Keenan get away with it back in the day, having taken Chicago and Philadelphia to a Stanley Cup final? Um, could a Ken Hitchcock maybe get away with that nowadays because he had won in other places? Could Peter Laviolette do it because he's won in multiple places? Um, maybe. But I just don't think players respond to that anymore. I, I think you got to work them hard in practice. You, you saw last night during that game against the Flyers where Quinn was getting into it with Lemieux. That's fine. But when you start the antics and the breaking the sticks and all that stuff, I, I, I just think that's histrionics that kind of just get players nowadays to roll their eyes. Uh, Don L says, hey, Don, in your opinion, out of the three local teams, which one do you think has the best reverse retro jersey and the worst reverse retro jersey out of the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils? Well, I'm not a fan of the Liberty jersey for a couple of reasons. Number one, it kind of doesn't – when you say reverse, it's not really reversing anything. I hate the gray around the numbers, the silver, whatever it is. It's hard to pick up the numbers on television. We've talked about that before. Not a fan. Um, The Islanders – they just didn't seem to do a lot, right? It just doesn't seem like it's that crazy a difference, not like what Colorado has done, what Minnesota has done. Um, and I, I like the Devils um, uh, because it kind of honors that tradition of the Christmas tree dirt jersey with the with the Christmas green around it. I got to tell you, I'm not floored by any of the three by any stretch of the imagination, but I would have to say that um, the Devils probably have the best and and. It's probably a tie for not great between the Islanders 
and the Rangers, but some of the other ones are just absolutely gorgeous and just not really a fan of any of the three in New York, but that's a good question. All right, Monday, we've got a lot to get into with um, EJ Raddick, recap the weekend, what happened in Lake Tahoe with the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights and the Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers. And we'll get that much closer to where spring might be happening here, right? Maybe it's a different feel, right? If we had a full season, we'd be talking about late February where we're really getting into the nitty-gritty. We're still very, very early in the season, but still, hopefully it'll start to warm up, get February in the rearview mirror, start talking about March, and hopefully this March will be a lot better than last March. So you want to get in touch with me over the weekend, best way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I'll be hosting the game between the Rangers and the Washington Capitals tomorrow, which can be heard locally on 98.7 ESPN New York, 12 o'clock pregame, 12.30 faceoff, Kenny and Dave on the call. All right, we'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.